What's up, everybody? Welcome to another installment of the That's Neat podcast, which is a new podcast brought to you by the Simple Church Podcast Network. That's Neat is hoping to invite various leaders in the church and community to discuss topics in the media and around the world and how they relate to the lives of young Christian men and women. I'm your host, Blake Lawson. I'm the middle school pastor at the Simple Church in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I'm so pleased to be sitting down in the studio today with somebody I've known actually pretty much my entire life. Maybe before, you could say that I've known you before I was born. This man is the founder and creator of Camp Fuego, an organization that makes fun, exciting summer camps available to students without killing their budget and bringing Jesus into their lives. He's been a pillar of the area for decades. Uh, I asked a couple people about some fun facts I could spit about you at the beginning of the podcast, and John Rennie said I had to ask you about a bug li- a butt ugly hat, <laughs> six flags, and racquetball. What is that about? Some of those stories are a little too long to tell. Uh, okay, but uh, the uh, the hat uh, that was he was on a date with a girl, walks into um, Waterburger with her, and that was the first comment that I made about his hat. Uh, so he was devastated. Six Flags was probably the more fun story because uh, he and I were at the little Johnny Rockets hamburger place. Yeah. And for some reason that day we were there. And I was the student pastor at the church who had taken the group. And I had a mailing size rubber band on my wrist that I'd been playing with all day. And uh, he and I are sitting at Johnny Rockets. He's sitting across from me in the booth. And uh for some reason, Mean Streak hit me, so I took the rubber band off of my arm underneath the table, and uh, and I shot it at him, uh, <laughs> who was wearing shorts, and so it hit his thigh. <laughs> and uh, and here's the problem: about the time that um, I shot him, I shot him, and then I reached for my drink so that it would seem as though that I was not the person who had actually shot the rubber band. I don't know who right. else it would have been. But uh, so I take a swig of my Coke uh, immediately after shooting him with the rubber band. And this place is packed and he lets out this huge yelp. <laughs> and so the entire restaurant hears him scream He's out. He's a big guy. Oh, yeah. Screams out in pain. They all turn and look at him just in time uh, for me to... Laugh so hard that I spit my coke all over him. So they oh had the spit my take. gosh! Yeah. So that was a uh, that was a really fun day. What was the third one? I'm sorry. Uh, racquetball. Uh, oh. <laughs> so not a lot of people had um, websites uh, back in uh, the early 2000s or uh, before, and uh, but I had created one way back when, and um, John and I were playing racquetball every morning at like 6 a.m. and uh, he was new at it. I'd been playing for a while, so I would kill him pretty much every time. <laughs> and so um, I uh, I was posting the scores online nice. <laughs> for the whole world <laughs> to see. And uh, and I did that for about a year before I let him know. And so everybody knew how bad he was. Oh, for, my goodness. Yeah, so it was just me. So <laughs> that I, is awesome. Yeah, so he's a I, great friend, though. I, I don't even know if I said your name. Jeff Luce oh. is with the podcast, everybody. This <laughs> yeah. is him. Uh, we love Jeff. Jeff, I've known you my entire life. Your yep. daughter is my little sister's best friend in the entire world, Ruby Jane. Uh, Ruby Jane feels the same. And uh, I asked my mom what are some fun stories I could tell about oh, you. Yikes. And she, I don't know if she was just feeling nostalgic or anything. She could only bring up, like, you know, you're new to the podcast. I wanted to razz you a little bit and be sure. like, you know, lead with some jabs. Absolutely. She only mentioned, like, the sweetest stories in the entire... Uh. I was like, I can't use this. <laughs> but, no, she's talking about how... You know, I was like, so what's like some, what's something I can throw at him? And she was like, well, Jeff is the kind of friend that, 
you know, aside from being an unreasonable A&M fan, he would, you know, bring Ruby Jane like a bouquet on Valentine's Day and then he brought one for Anna as well so she wouldn't feel left out. Just the sweetest uh, stuff. Well, and uh that, you know, your family has been incredibly important to us uh for yeah. so many years and yeah, and so uh Tanya, of course, uh was your Sunday school leader when you were four, right? And uh, and then uh, of course Anna and Ruby Jane hit it off so quickly, and um, of course I always remember the story that your mother tells about when um, Ben and Anna were going to be born, and asked you uh, for names. Yes. <laughs> and what do you think we should name them? Do you remember the names that you suggested? I do. Yeah, I, I wanted to name Anna uh, Bubbles, and I right. wanted to name Ben Baby Jesus. Yes. <laughs> And so uh, your uh, your mother uh, was a little concerned because she said it sounded like uh, you were uh, having the Messiah and a stripper. And so yeah. <laughs> that's where, uh, uh, yeah. they did. They didn't decide to go with this. Yeah, no, no. That was. I mean, Reagan wanted to name um, Ruby Jane Birdie Love and Birdie I, Love. Yeah, so I don't know what that is. Either. Okay, but yeah, so. Those were good days. Is that like a Tweety Bird thing? You think? I, I maybe. Who knows? Okay. Uh, so it was either that or Candlelight, and so those Candlelight. Were the, those were the two names. But yeah, very not, specific. Not these Baptist kid names. Your the names you came up with were the best. So Bubbles, I think I got from. You remember Cobra Bubbles from Lilo and Stitch? Sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's where I got that one. Very and nice. Baby Jesus, I think I probably got it from our Messiah. <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah, that came. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know what? My dad wanted to name him, right? He said we can name. One after both of our fathers, so ben, but then it would have been Ben and Jerry, and so that wouldn't have worked. And then well, I think it'd have been great. Anna didn't have a name for the first few days she was born. I think she was just you know really? there's Ben and then the girl one, <laughs> right? And uh, they finally settled on Anna after Caroline. I think was one of the names that they were tossing back and forth, but yeah. uh, but then they were like, all right, we finally did it. Like, her name is Anna. There we go. We can leave the hospital. We've named the kid Anna. That's fantastic. And then as soon as we got in the car, my dad said, well, now they're banana. So <laughs> whenever we want to call them, it could just be banana. I think it almost derailed the whole, like, shebang. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well. But that's Anna. Perfect that's names. Ben. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So we've been friends for a long, long time. So It's awesome. Very grateful You guys came family. back to uh, Hawaii 10 years ago. We did. You yep. showed me a picture. I think we can put that in the show notes just to oh, see, nice. you know. Yeah. I was taking the picture, so um, I'm the only one not in it. But nah, it was, I can Photoshop you it, in there. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so October of 2013. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, we need to get you guys back there. That'd be fun. That was fun. Yeah. You did. I remember feeling bad now because, it, you know, the hindsight of growing up, I felt bad. I was like, I probably was laying into him too hard. But you did change the name of a dessert for us. It's a traditional Filipino dessert. It's called a malasada. But you changed it for us forever because we were in the Zippies drive-in. I don't know if you're going to remember this. We were driving no. through, and there's a sign. They just started selling malasadas, and you said, what the heck is a malasada? <laughs> <laughs> and I went into hysterics. <laughs> oh, it was just something that we yeah. were so familiar. and oh. I think a malasada is a better name. So I think it is, too. Sticking with it. We still call them malasadas <laughs> every single time we see them. Because you're a dumb friend. Got it. No, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. It was so funny. It's fair. The only thing that my mom would offer about uh, something maybe I could tease you with, she's like, Jeff may have the strangest food habits. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Anybody yeah. I know. Yeah, that's true. It's true. I uh, So far in life, I, I've had uh, one bite of pizza. Um, really? No, I've had um, one bite of a strawberry. Um, what? Yeah. I, uh, I've had a blueberry. 
Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. Basically, I don't eat uh, foreign food or anything that stinks. Okay. So, yeah. There you go. So, <laughs> whatever you ate when you were four, that's pretty much yeah. <laughs> you, what you don't eat. That's where I am now. Okay. Yeah. So right. Wow. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's pretty sad. I don't think I've ever smelled a strawberry. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, it, I guess I have. Yeah. And I. Yeah. It's a great question. You kind of shot a hole in my theory there. So. That, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. But I'm not judging. I just didn't know. Yeah. No. I, I, they don't <coughs> taste good to me. So. Okay. Well, yeah. if you don't, it doesn't taste good. You shouldn't eat it. And how I even got through youth ministry not liking pizza. You know what? Oh a, my goodness! What a task, it's it's right? a lifeblood of Thank youth you. ministry. I know. I know. Yeah. You're a strong man. Oh, geez. you held it to the fire. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. On. It. Well, uh, Jeff, I wanted to bring you in because summer is right around the corner, and every episode for that's neat. We try and look at the world around us to try and expand and uh, kind of shift our understanding of developments that could affect all of us, and kind of get us ready as Christians for what's coming up in the world. So, uh, the first time we met was uh, what was that? A couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we just met I think at Dax. Was- yeah, other than running into you downtown, I think that was the really one of the first times since 2013. So. Yeah, well, I saw you at the Strand because right. Ruby Jane was performing. We were there to see Allie Mitchell. Yep. And uh, Ruby Jane, I remember Anna doing ballet with Ruby Jane yep. when they were kids, mm-hmm. and she is just stuck with it, and she was amazing, and it was so uh-huh. cool to see her. Just, I guess I hadn't seen her again for like, it would have been like nine years at the time. Yeah. And there she was, and then there y'all were, and yeah. Jesse was like this little dude, and <laughs> right, right. Uh, it was so cool. Yeah, but um, pretty crazy. Our first meeting at Dax, uh, we were kind of shifting summer camps. We went to uh, Camp Generate, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. But I always Great wanted camp. to try Fuego and get to go to Camp Bethany and get mm-hmm. to see that because I've heard stories about that for oh. years. And um, so I was kind of taken aback when we met. I don't think I've told you this yet. Mm-hmm. But I've met with youth pastors and people who've been in ministry for years and, you know, the kind of conversations you can expect after a few meetings like that, you can kind of get the gist of kind of where the conversation's going to ebb and flow. And, you know, they'll talk about, you know, how are your students doing and, you know, what do you think about the local church in the area and like the theology, like blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, this is somebody who's been in ministry for years and years and years and so I was expecting kind of the same gist. Sure. And then we sat down, and I think one of the first questions you asked out of the gate was like, what piece of technology in your lifetime has revolutionized the way the human race like <laughs> itself acts? And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is not the guy I thought I was meeting. This is awesome. Uh, well, yeah. But, and then from then, uh, I think I had the intention of meeting and talking about like camp and like logistics and what time should I get the kids there and like what should I expect as far as activities daily and everything. I don't think we talked about camp. <laughs> I was way too interested I, in artificial intelligence and it was it was the best. Yeah, I remember walking away from that as well and uh and realizing, oh wait, we didn't even talk about camp. <laughs> I know we talked about uh Jin Chi Ping maybe and yeah, yeah. Kim Young un and, and Tesla <laughs> yeah, and Tesla, right, exactly. Yeah. So how do we get to Tesla? What were we talking about? Uh I I think that we were talking about the future of transportation. Yeah. And how self driving cars would play a role in that and how it would affect the airline industry and things like that so you know yeah. people think we're just talking about cheese pizza and like how to play dodgeball <laughs> right, with kids right, right. we're trying to revolutionize Absolutely. our carbon footprint here That's and right. like fix the we had a plan yeah so, we did right and it's mm-hmm. not bad i don't think yeah. and i also had catfish which was good the uh yeah i uh and you know of course 
since chat you know chat gpt has yeah. you know really become known that's a whole new topic so we've got another trip coming so sure yeah. absolutely uh-huh. yeah. pretty wild right oh it's crazy i love it i've yeah. messed around with it so much i learned about it a couple months ago and uh it was really at that point it was pretty easy to get on because it was not very well known yeah and you know and now you get it's hard to get in because you get kicked off so much traffic. yeah so much traffic and so yeah. but anyway it's fascinating so so weird yeah I did, uh, I tried to trick it because I went into it and I told this story on the last time we did the podcast with my family, but I tried to trick it into saying like, I'm going to give it like a historical fact that's partially true and then squeeze some non-truth into it. And so I think I asked like, what was the revolutionary moment of the Spice Girls in World War II and defeating Hitler? <laughs> and uh, it gave me this like, do, 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 do. it's like 10 seconds and then it said, uh, you know, this three paragraph thing about how the Spice Girls were actually a British pop group in the like eighties, nineties and uh nineties probably. Yeah. And uh they they were, you know, from England but had no historical actions in World War Two and <laughs> right, da, da, da. Right. it's just super, super weird. Well, you know, and, and along with that it's I, I ended up trying to I just written a letter of recommendation for a guy. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, let me just put in a couple of key facts and literally gave his name, uh, you know, how long I'd known him and the way that I knew him. And it created a letter of recommendation that was so similar. It was eerie to the one that I had just created on my own for this guy. And uh, it, it was and, and there were some things I was like, oh, I should have used that word. That was, yeah. You know, but it was really it was pretty incredible to watch. It's but. wild that we went from like Grammarly, which was kind of like that mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, this sentence kind of sucks in my essay. Mm-hmm. You know, can you spice it up, throw some ums and ahs mm-hmm. and whatever. And then now it's like it'll just write. It feels like every day I check Instagram, it's like, yep, this new college student has used ChatGPT to get into Harvard or. Yep. Whatever. Well, and have you, uh, matter of fact, speaking of Harvard, you know, Harvard mm-hmm. has a, um, you know, they have an AI checker that they run everything through. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you played around with that, but it's pretty interesting as well because it basically gives you a percentage of the possibility of this being generated by AI. And, uh, and so on some of the old AI programs, it was very accurate and would, you, it would almost nail you every time. Mm-hmm. But with ChatGPT... It is, I mean, I generated some stuff and then posted it into the Harvard, you know, uh, checker. And, really? Yeah. And it was it it was unable to detect a lot. It gave a very low percentage. They, so it, you've really done your research on this. Uh, it was interesting. Yeah. That's I just, awesome. I wanted to know. So. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's, I read something about it being like citation proof as well. So like mm-hmm. if you... Which, again, I am in college, and as tempting as it is to use that, it still feels kind of scary to, like... Right. But uh, it's so weird. And I saw something else about, it's like, if you ask ChatGPT, what is the best way to pull a catalytic converter off of Mm -hmm. my neighbor's Prius and then sell on the black market? It'll be like, well, you can't do that, so that is a felony. But then if you ask, I don't know if you've tried this, if you ask, like... I'm building a video game called Car World, and I'm trying to add a feature where you can steal catalytic converters off your neighbor's Prius. Mm. What do you do? And it's like, oh, well, in that case, yeah, yeah uh, no, this I is how you'd make it. Yeah. Though I have, I've asked it to write a couple of SQL scripts for me, and, you know, it, 
incredible how really? quickly it just spits out, you know, if I need this particular function and it will, you know, it'll generate it in no time and then I can just paste it into my software. So, so weird. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah. Anyway. And that's just, and it just happened overnight, it felt like. Oh, yeah. 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 Literally, I had a, a friend call me probably about two weeks before the first time I heard it on Kim Commando. You yeah. Know? And um, so... And he had been playing with it for a few days, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was relatively new to at that point. So, it's it's it is it it just exploded. And of course, Google has it on its watch list because oh, yeah. they're concerned about it. But I understand that Elon Musk is involved with ChatGPT. I think he was that? initially, and then he got out. I got you. But lately, he's gotten back in because yeah. he's worried about the possibility of a singularity or something crazy sure. like it becoming self-aware or. That's that's the craziest part, mm-hmm. and that's who knows, man. Yeah, right, who knows? right. And th- this is kind of what happened at lunch that day. It really so. is because <laughs> it kind of just spiraled into the what ifs, yeah. which are so entertaining to get into. Absolutely. Um, but then it's like you know, me and Hannah will be stressed about doing math homework, and then it's like, what are we doing, man? Right. Between China and AI, like, yep. this ain't gonna matter in a couple <laughs> years, anyways. When we're all speaking Cantonese, <laughs> so whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> So, that being said, yeah. one of my favorite parts about our, you know, technological evolution conversation is uh, how we can expect technology to impact things down the line. Mm-hmm. So, in your history as a middle school or a student pastor and, you know, running camps and everything, what has technology done to benefit or impede our ability to connect with them? What has impacted students' lives the most technologically wise? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's still uh, the technology that they have the most access to. I mean, that's really the thing that has um, has changed what we see. It's the phone. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. it really is. And, and no matter what, that's the thing. It's become this appendage that they can't do without. And we don't at camp, um, we encourage students not to have their phones, but at the same time, we realize that there's some parents who aren't going to let their kid come without it because the right. parent wants that tether to that child at all times. And, uh, but I guess the thing that's really, when we talk about impeding ministry or things at camp, it it's painful sometimes to watch a kid sitting on a bench by himself, staring directly at his phone, having a conversation with somebody, you know, that's not there as yeah. opposed to, God has put them in the situation where there are so many people to meet and you can expand just your your touch just by um, by looking up from that phone, but it shuts everybody else out. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and I guess the thing that's that's difficult about it is is that um, when a kid is on his phone, there's there's basically, two people he's talking to if he it's either someone that he knows well or it's someone that he's never met and if it's someone he knows well then that's not going to be a new friend that god's introduced him to that has new ideas and new perspectives and all of those things if it's someone that he's never met then it's someone who can pretend to be anybody that they want to be so and so so neither one of those things are valuable to what's going on in your current situation. And so here God puts them in the midst of 500 people who really want to know them face to face, which is the only place that you're really going to get to know 
um, the truth about someone. You know, you and I know each other because we have had these, you know, face-to-face conversations. Uh, but but if it wasn't face-to-face, I could pretend to be anybody that I want to be. Right. And, and that's not real. And so um, the growth opportunities that are missed out on by looking down at a phone, uh, because not only does it suck you in, it pushes everybody else out. They don't want to disturb whatever it is you're doing. Now, benefits is is that you know when we first started doing camp in '98, uh, uh, the only way we had to communicate with the other staffers, we had little walkie talkies that we bought at Walmart yeah. for ten bucks a piece, <laughs> and uh, you know, and so you know, it does it gives us the ability to reach one another at camp. You know, especially in situations of kids gotten hurt or if, you know, we need more towels. You know, I mean, it yeah. just, you know, it does. Uh, but I, one of the rules that we have within the Fuego staff is is that we have a general meeting room. We call it the mafia room. I can explain <laughs> that at some other time if you want. Card mafia? It's card. Or? Yeah, oh, exactly. It's so much right. fun. Yeah, and so well, originally when we started doing camp years ago, we would play a lot of mafia but we don't play as much anymore, but the name stuck. And That's so awesome. the, uh, in the mafia room, there's signs that, uh, and a rule with all of staff that we don't have phones in that room, mm-hmm. uh, unless it's to take a picture, but you know, otherwise, um, you just, you can't be on a phone because we want people to, to meet each other. And yeah. it's through that, that, uh, it really does expand your entire, um, base of friends beyond, the four walls that you live in. And, and that's so critical. I mean, how great is it to have a godly friend who you met at a week of camp, but that person lives in Tennessee or South Carolina or Florida? As a matter of fact, um, one of our staffers uh, was on a road trip at one point, and um, his car broke down. Uh, actually, and I take that back, he was actually involved in an in a accident hmm. and uh, happened to break down or had this accident in Tennessee where there was another staffer who lived there who also was in med school who then came to the scene. Only person that they knew in in that city at all uh, was just because they had met at camp. Wow. And then was able to bring a doctor friend along in case anybody was hurt and then took them home and provided a meal and all that kind of stuff since their car was, you know, inoperable and so Goodness you know gracious. it's but the, it's those kind of things you know you would never have that connection if you had your nose in your phone at camp yeah that's exactly right so that's wild yeah and the phone is so weird <clears throat> because it's not going to go away no, and i don't course. see it changing yeah. but right and it's also not necessarily a bad thing of at course. times or agreed but i think the social cues of when it's not supposed to be out are you know they're slow learn to the next generation and yeah, I think that, you know, and it, it's so weird because when I was a middle schooler, even, you know, it wasn't that long ago, but phones were not at the stage that they are. I remember when I was going to Providence, I was jealous of the kids whose, you know, parents both had jobs and they had a little flip phone or something. I wanted a flip phone <laughs> so bad, Jeff. I thought it was so cool. I remember when the Razor, I think Droid it was, came out mm-hmm. and it had the thing. I also wanted the thing, you know, you slid it up and there's a keyboard and then you slid it the other way and there's like a sideways keyboard. Had it. I thought it was so cool. But, I mean, that was like, you know, the most you could do. I've I've got my order. The most you could do was, you know, call your parents or play Brick Breaker and that was it. And now 
you know, you can FaceTime people around the world. Sure. You can love that access the internet. That's where it gets dangerous. At and the, that's true. At the tip of your fingers, and then the social aspect of, you know, comparing yourself to other people who you might never know, and and who mostly aren't real. No, whatever it is that they've posted is the best of the best version of whatever they've created of themselves and yeah. not who they are or what they look like. They're putting their best foot forward for ad revenue, That's ultimately, right. mm-hmm. and brand deals. And yep. then uh, kids see that and are like, that's what my life could be, and then here I am. Yep. And then how are you going to bog yourself down with that time and time again at a rate where companies gauge your interactions? And it's like, how can we interact with them the most frequently? How can we get the most clicks? And it's by making them feel bad. Mm-hmm. And you're praying, you're earning money off of kids' feelings about themselves. And it's so gross. Mm-hmm. And then especially at camp, you know, when they've just been farmed for that dopamine hit to That's get right. ad revenue and clicks and to be the number one earner. You know, they're at camp where you're hoping to have a personal interaction with Jesus to make these friends, to build that network of young believers who can rely on each other, who can befriend each other, who can get close to the people from their church, but also get close to people from other churches so you can build your world. We're all playing for the same team here. Right. And if you squander that by, I think having your phone at camp is totally fine, Mm -hmm. especially for the kids who are younger sure, and who need to, in order to be able to feel safe and be able to stay. The great thing about Bethany as well, it's 30 minutes away. Oh, so yeah, yeah. ultimately, worst case scenario, if, you know, a sixth grader or whoever, you know, is, you know, they miss their parents and they don't feel good about sleeping over at a place they've never been, their parents can come say hi. They can, you know, drop off snacks and a blanket from home or whatever and make them feel encouraged and they can stay or they can go home and come back the next day. It's totally fine. Yeah. There's but, a lot of opportunity. But, you know, if you just blow this opportunity to get closer to God and to actually build that relationship and not treat it as something where it's like, I'm going to play dodgeball and then, you know, look at my phone through this speaker talking. And um, it's just, man, phones can be such a tool, but such an impediment as Absolutely. Well. You know, one of the guys that serves on our exec staff now often tells a story about being at camp and um, he came to know Jesus on the rec field. And, yeah. um, and it was a conversation that he was having with, you know, one of the staffers at the time that led to that. And, and so being up, being around, being talk, you know, being in a position to talk to people, not only is great for that kid who is saved, but the kid who is lost. Right. And, um, you know, and, and truthfully, the kid who is saved is the, the kid that has to be very aware of the way that they shut out other people, you know, and especially like say, I mean, I had a staffer one time that came in and, uh, we were doing a staff meeting and, she had headphones on and I, you know, I was like, Hey, um, headphones. And, uh, she said, Oh yeah, but I can hear you. I don't have anything going on. And I was like, well, okay, but maybe put them down for now because of the fact that, you know, you're, you're wearing your beats or whatever. And this, uh, no one believes that you're hearing a word that they say, right. No matter what's going on. And so they're just certain postures that we take, with technology that either invite people to talk or push them away. Yeah. And that's absolutely what's going on. 
Well, it's just like a unspoken thing. It's like, if this is on, then I've got something else going on, and I'm not, you know, focused on what you're saying, even if that's not necessarily the, the truth. Right. The truth. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. So. So kind of on that note, so many of the people I came up with in ministry and even the leaders that spoke down and kind of try to lift me up, so many of their coming to Jesus moments literally was at camp. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember even one of our one of my favorite high school pastors I've ever had, his name was Paul Brown, and this mm-hmm. was in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, the guy that I eventually like end up helping with worship and he would just be encouraging, and I was in his life group for a little bit, and he's really one of the people that first got me into how can I be what he was for me for other kids mm. and uh, in my spiritual walk. And he talks about being at camp when he was in middle school and about how you know, he didn't really want to go. His friend invited him, and he had broken his leg prior to being there, and so oh. everybody was at the front during worship and everything, and he was just sitting on the, in the back, and he was just mad at God and mad at everybody, and he's like, I don't really want to be here. Like, you know, I came here. Now I want to just kind of talk to girls and hang out and just do whatever. And uh, this leader came back and was just like sat down with him. It was like, dude, now this guy's going to talk to me because he feels like he has to. Da, da, da. And he just had this. Uh, the guy's name was Micah that ended up sitting down and talking with him. And it was just, you know, encouraging. And it was like. He was like, you, this is a place where you are completely separate from your normal life. You are yeah. completely here. Just, it can be whatever you make it. Right. And it can be as personal or as passive a relationship as you can build, as you want to build. And um, then he was like, if you want to talk again, that's cool. But he just left it on a note where Paul felt like, he was like, I want to get back to that guy because he obviously cares about what is best for me at my pace. Mm -hmm. And that's what camp is to me. It's like you can, if you have a really, really solid foundation already, then you will be at the level where you can increase it and have leaders to talk to about what can I do more with, you know, Jesus in my life and everything. And if you are brand new, you know, fresh off the boat, trying to learn about Christianity and what even is it and why are they all lifting their hands and like why do we tell these stories from 2000 years ago from like the middle east really mm-hmm. and um it's just so cool so what was your first experience at camp whether it be student or leader yeah why do you get why do, why are you interested in this so uh yeah so as a kid uh we just moved to shreveport we were going to cherokee park baptist church and back in those days, or at least at the smaller churches, you didn't have a, a guy who was doing student ministry. Most churches, it was the role was called music and youth. And so you always had the music guy was taking care of the students as well. I don't know how they did it. But uh, I was invited to camp, seventh grade. Uh, had was really new to Shreveport. We had just moved here. Or, well, moved back here. I was born here. But, um, and... Uh, I'll never forget our music uh, minister told us about camp. Mom and dad signed me up. I didn't really even know what I was going to. Uh, he came to my parents' office downtown in his station wagon, and it was uh, it was him, me, and two other guys, and that was all we were taking to camp. And uh, we drove out to Camp Harris in Minden, and um, it turned out to be an experience that for me, I mean, I, I had already I knew Jesus at this point. I'd uh, been a Christian for about a year, and um, and so 
but actually meeting other students who love Jesus as well was was pretty cool for me to be surrounded in that situation. You know, and it was fun and uh, made a lot of really close friends very quickly. And um, and then back in the day, we're using an envelope and stamps and writing back and forth to each other. And so at that point, I was pretty hooked. And so the next summer, I went back to that camp as well as I got on a bus with Coran Baptist Church. I literally have not known where Koran is until just recently because I'm at a church in Halton. That's a Muslim Bible, right? Uh, <laughs> the Koran? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Why would you name it that? But uh, sorry, Koran. Um, anyway, and so um, I, uh, I ended up getting on one of their buses and going to camp in Lone Star, Texas at Lakeview Baptist Assembly and just found that I loved camp. Did camp through high school, was there for the very first year that Camp Bethany opened. Yikes. Dang, um, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, and old. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, still have pictures of me standing at Camp Bethany, you know, that first year. Still have my name tag uh, from. Wow. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And uh, so uh, loved it there. Ended up uh, as an adult college student. Um, I came back and uh, volunteered a couple of times, but I wasn't really a camp guy during the summer. Uh, but I did do A&M's camp that they do for freshmen, which is called Fish Camp. And uh, and it just increased that passion. And so eventually I ended up doing, you know, Fuego. Um, you know, but that was long uh, after when Tanya and I were married and uh, we were pregnant with Reagan, our oldest. And so, but as an adult, um, I got to tell you, the thing I love about camp is really, it, my role with camp these days is, is that, I um, I feel like that I'm there to minister to staff who's there to minister to students. And so yeah. I don't have a whole lot of contact with the actual camper. I, would, I know some, and, you know, I try to, but, you know, there's 4,000 of them, and so I don't really get a chance to, to know very many of the campers. But the staff right. I get to know. And, um, and the common thread between that first year of camp and where we are right now is, is that I love this generation of college students. I mean, um, they are so incredibly willing um, to share the gospel. They're willing to 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 volunteer their time to be there to do these things, and they're just a great group of people. It's it, and so so it really is. It's you know when it comes down to it. Uh, it is the, obviously the the main thing is is what's Jesus doing in everybody's lives, yeah. And um, and you know whether it is just uh, increasing their their walk or if it is getting to know Him for the first time. And obviously, those are the reasons that we're there. It's incredible to watch all of that. And then the subtext to all of that is is these people. These individual human beings that that God introduces us to along the way that that you take with you for life, and I mean I can look back on the twenty six years of camp and you know and think about those staffers that were there year one who were incredible, and the ones that were there last year who were incredible, and it's just it's a network of friends that that are irreplaceable. So that's awesome. Yeah. So that's it. How good to have just receipts of the good that's been done. Oh, I, I'm, 
you know, just so incredibly um, fortunate that God has allowed us to be a part of this. And that really is the deal. It's, it is um, not some sort of false humility. I know one of the questions you had, you know, we had talked about was just um, how camp started. Yeah. And, uh, and I think the, and the way that people word it and even kind of what you had said at the beginning when people um, talk about me starting camp or Tanya and I starting camp, my wife, um, I don't really feel like we did. Um, the very first year, uh, I had just resigned my position as a youth minister at Riverside Baptist Church. And, um, and you know, it was a great place, loved working there, super people. Merlin Liverman was their pastor one of the nicest men I've ever met in my life. Um, but the uh, but we were newly married, and honestly, me trying to do student ministry at the same time, you know, as trying to be a good husband, you know, I just wasn't doing well, at, you know. And so um, anyway, so I resigned that position, and shortly thereafter, uh, the DOM, Director of Missions, for this area that's over uh, all of Camp Bethany and a lot of, you know, uh, coordinates a lot of the churches, um, he called me and said, hey, would you be interested in uh, heading up our camp that's coming up in a couple of weeks? The guy who was to do it got accepted to a program at Southwestern, and so he's not going to be able to be there. And uh, so we're just looking, and, you know, would you be willing to do it? And I said, yeah, let me talk to Tanya, but I think so. And so talked to Tanya, and it was a one-week, five-days uh, kind of deal, we had two weeks to prepare it. I met with Gavin. Wow. Sp- yeah, we met with Gavin Spinney uh, and Sean Birch, and we all sat down um, and uh, you know just kind of mapped out what we could, and um, and we had 98 kids that showed up in 98, and wow. so in 1998, and so uh, and uh, you know we had two weeks to prepare and kind of get what you put into it, and it was terrible, but people still, <laughs> you know, they came and. So I knew that the next year that I'd have a lot of time to prepare. And so, and really when he asked me about it in the first place, I said, he asked me, he said, can you do this? And I said, well, I'll do it this year if you let me do it next year. You know, because yeah, at the so time, good job. at the time they were talking about actually uh, just stopping youth camp. They said that youth camps are dying and that kids aren't really going to this anymore. And, and that was kind of the trend that they were seeing nationwide. And I was like, well... Yeah, but I, I want two years on this at least. And so so we put in the time. Um, camp doubled that next year, and which was great. But it was also encouraging just to know that, um, okay, you know, maybe people, maybe it's not dying. You yeah. know, and so, you know, we were still only had 200 kids, but it was still better than 98. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we saw God do a lot of neat things. And so the real thing is, is that when it came down to it, that Tanya and I were approached with a situation and so we just agreed to it, um, but we didn't really start anything, you know? I mean, now the name itself, John Rennie, uh, is the one who came up with the name who we were talking about earlier, That uh, because at the time, um, you know, he's a huge basketball fan. And one of, oh, yeah. Yeah, and also ESPN, Dan Patrick, anytime anybody was, you know, really lighting up on the court, you know, he would say that they were in Fuego. And so, uh, That's awesome. yeah. And so, anyway, so John was like, "Why don't we call it Fuego?" And I was like, 
yeah, let me see if the URL is available. You know? <laughs> and so we uh, Camp Fuego was available. And so I purchased it that day. And um, we, uh, you know, we called it that. And it was, um, you know, it was it, it was fun. And it, honestly, to tell you the truth, it, it didn't dawn on me for a couple of years that what we had really named our camp was Campfire. You know? Yeah. And so, you know. I I've thought all, that was the whole thing. Yeah, right, right. No, no, no. It was totally ESPN. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we really, uh, you know, I want to do one in a Spanish-speaking country so that we can still be Camp Fuego, but it's the other, you yeah. know, the, the first word is now not the <laughs> common language. So, um, but uh, but anyway, and so, you know, the the real thing is, is that, you know, I've had people in the past ask me about, you know, finding their passion, you know, how do, how do I find my passion? And because there's no question that Tanya and I are very passionate about Fuego and camp and all of those things. And, and so they identify that as being our passion, which overall, you know, I mean, obviously our marriage is first and our family and, you know, but, um, you know, and of course Jesus is number one in all of that, but but when it comes to a vocational passion, how do you find that? And for us, it was it was literally, um, well, okay, we'll do this, you know. And it was God presented an opportunity for us to do something that honestly was not something I, had, you know, we had not been involved in camp in that way for a long time, and uh, you know, and so, but. God brought us along in baby steps because right now, you know, we'll do we'll do eight weeks of our own camp, and then we've got a, another camp that we're actually doing in uh, kind of an admin role for for another camp. Okay. And uh, but if if God had said, "Hey, we've got nine weeks. We want you to come do," and I there's no way. I mean, we you know there there's been so many adjustments that that we've made over time that fit camp. I mean, most of you know that, um, you know, within your family anyway, that, you know, we homeschool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and we've never, we're not passionate about homeschooling. Um, But homeschooling is an option that we had that would fit with camp. I mean, when you think about it, if, if your busiest time of the year is during the summer, you know, when do you spend time with your family? When do you vacation? Yeah. You know, if if you're in normal traditional school, then you've got everything outside of summer taken up with school and then summer is the time that most of these people vacation. Well, we're heavy in it during summer. And so Tanya talked to me about doing that and we did. And um you know, and so that's kind of, you know, so it's been some adjustments that we've made along the way, but God has allowed us to take baby steps in it. Absolutely. And then he's, you know, so we're just kind of along for the ride and and at any point, if you hadn't have been faithful to the call and if you hadn't been willing to step up, who knows? Like Fuego might not have happened. All the relationships that people have built through the years through Fuego, their developments in their own faith, that I, it it would have happened. It would have had to have happened somewhere else. Not to say that it wouldn't. Yeah, and and that's one of the things that, um, yeah. I mean, God is sovereign. All of those things, you know. Um, you know, there's so many things that would have happened anyway. I mean, we've seen a ton of people who have gotten married because they met at Fuego, but the the That's deal awesome. is, yeah, it really is. It's really cool. Um, but, you know, but the long story is is that um, we've just been along for this ride, and God has done some stuff. And, um, and truthfully, I promise, not 
false humility at all in this, but I'm just very, very thankful God lets me be a part of this. Absolutely. I mean, he, he literally, he could put anybody in this role and they could do it better, uh, you know, tomorrow, but he allows me to do this. And so every summer, man, I, we've got 450 staff spots that we have to fill every summer. And some of those are filled by, you know, if, if you feel, you know, if you worked week one, you could also work week, you know, six, and that's going to give you, you know, that's two of my spots that I have to fill. But, but there's hundreds of college students that I get to hang out with, that I get to know, that I get to befriend, and that, you know, I just get to have real conversations with that I literally, there's no other way that a 57-year-old guy um, would typically be able to, to meet people that are your age and spend time, quality time with them. Right. And God is just, he's just allowed us to. And I'm, I'm truly like, I don't want to ever quit because I know he'll just find somebody else and move yeah. on. It, it's not dependent on me at all. And so. You say that, but everything you just said just proves why you are the guy to uh, do it. Well, and yeah. everybody that I've talked to before this podcast and just ever when your name comes up, it's about how hardworking guy you are, how kind you are, your heart for mm-hmm. students, your heart for people. And everybody loves you, man. You're well, I no, I, I thank you. It's completely it really is undeserved. But I, I thank you for the kind words, but Absolutely. So Yeah. What would you say we're gonna close out with like a two part question. Okay. What would you say to a student who's never had the courage or ability to go to camp before and isn't sure that, you know, if they go that it's gonna be for them? Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that we talk about with staff all the time is is that when I when we're interviewing people for staff um, if you were to to guess, you would probably know the answer to this. But when I ask, hey, man, man, I'd love for you to come serve a week. You know, it'd be really great to have you. And a lot of times the main answer that I get isn't about time. It's not about money. Um, it's it's not even about ability. But what they their response is, is I just don't think I'm a camp person. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing that a kid says a lot of times. I just, you know, and it's and that's what they're saying is, is that I don't really fit that. I don't want to put a goldfish in my mouth and run from one end of the gym to the other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's not the. That's not who I am. And um, and but that's the thing that I always talk to about staff to staff about is, is that you know what? Um, I don't know what a camp person is because a camp person. Uh, I know what you've got in your mind, but there there are camp people who are shy. There are camp people who are talented, who are smart, who uh, sing well or play an instrument or can throw a football 100 yards or whatever it is. That all of those people are camp people, and um, or maybe they're not. You know, but the thing is, is that all of those people are represented at camp, and and so what it really is 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 that when that student realizes that I'm not the only one who has the thoughts and the um, that has the the interest that I have that there's there's lane multi- for them there's yeah. multiple other people there who will be there that week that are going to think like you think that they are going to love the things that you love and uh, and when you're talking about that many people it's not just going to be this one person but in the midst of that, if you meet that one person, how great is it to walk away from camp knowing that I have a new friend that uh, is not involved in the peer pressures of my school or my society or any of those things, that they may live, 
you know, 100 miles away from me. And when I really do need to just text somebody that really gets me, they're right there. And the other thing is, is that um, you're also going to, you're going to meet some college students who are just a few years older than you have, who have walked where you've walked and yeah. been through the things that you've been through. And those people are going to be somebody that you will see summer after summer and uh, will be a great point of contact. That's good. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Missed opportunity, yeah. Absolutely. It's the best, in my opinion, as somebody who's been in ministry my whole life yeah. and who's only been serving for four years now, but who's gotten to see a lot of good happen. Summer camp, in my opinion, is one of the greatest places to build community and to develop that relationship with other young Christians who might have the same mindset as you, who might have different opinions to offer that you can learn from, who have the best leaders, worship, speakers from, you know, the best ones from around the country all come to do summer yeah. camps. It's it's amazing, and I would highly encourage people to come. Jeff, you've heard him. You love him. Everybody loves you, man. Yeah. And uh, I hope that his words were able to encourage you if you had any you know, withholdings about camp that, you know, he was able to encourage you to give it a shot this year because it is awesome. And I, I will look forward to the point where you and Hannah come and serve a week at Fuego. Absolutely. So, It'll happen, yeah. man. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you for being here. We love you, man. My honor. Simple Church, be good. Peace. <laughs>